It's cloudy and one degree in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Courtney Davidson. Alberta Health Services is issuing a heads up to people in our city that they may have been exposed to measles last week at a hospital and several outpatient labs. A Calgary resident traveling internationally was infected with the contagious disease and visited various locations around Calgary from March 26th to the 29th. People exposed to the virus who do not have a history of receiving any measles vaccines will be offered preventative immunizations tomorrow at Brentwood Clinic from 11 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. You can check exposure areas and time frames on our website. As our Decision Alberta coverage continues, Derek Fildebrandt, leader of the Freedom Conservative Party, is insisting that he be allowed to participate in Thursday's leadership debate. In a release, Fildebrandt says heavy lobbying by the United Conservative Party has led to his exclusion from the debate. He goes on to say that it's unprecedented to exclude a party leader, especially when that leader already holds the seat in the Alberta legislature. The FCP leader is calling on the other party leaders to boycott the debate until he is allowed to participate. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I am over in the southeast now, still seeing that normal light Sunday morning volume. One construction spot here is 12th Avenue and McLeod Trail, where the right lanes are closed eastbound. Drivers are sticking through that single left lane with minor delays in the area right now. Renewing your mortgage, switch to CIBC, where every mortgage comes with expert advice. Plus, you can get up to $2,500 cash back. Conditions apply. Ask CIBC for details. From the 770 ECH to our traffic helicopter, I'm Kay Eason. Following the story we brought to you yesterday, investigation is underway into the cause of a massive fire at the former Balzac meat site. The fire caused a large outbuilding to collapse down on itself. No one was at the scene of the fire and therefore no injuries were reported. Ben Penner, owner of YYC Rentals, is a tenant on the property and stored equipment in the shed that burned down. The blaze started Friday night, but it was stubborn to contain. Penner got a glimpse of the site. It was ferocious, fierce, like probably 200 foot flames. It's not the first time this property has been up in flames. The fire broke out at the same site where a large blaze was sparked last summer. Ottawa's carbon tax kicks in tomorrow in Manitoba, Ontario, Saskatchewan and New Brunswick. Residents will be paying more for gasoline and heating fuel in the four provinces that refuse to impose their own emissions pricing. The federal government hasn't revealed details yet about a program to rebate some of the increased costs faced by small and medium-sized businesses. But residents of the four provinces will be getting rebates starting at $128 a year on their income tax returns. Taking a look at sports, the Canadian Women's Hockey League is no more. The CWHL's board of directors have decided to discontinue operations May 1st of this year because, quote, the business model has proven to be economically unstable. The news comes a week after the 12th edition of the Clarkson Cup. The CWHL was founded in 2007 with a mandate to grow women's hockey. It had six clubs throughout North America and China. 
The NHL's Western Conference title is up for grabs tonight when the Flames play the Sharks in San Jose. Calgary can clinch top spot with a win. Puck drop around 6 o'clock. The Calgary Hitmen host Game 6 tonight of their best-of-seven series against the Hurricanes. The Calgary club is coming off a 6-5 win last night, making the series 3-2. And the Roughnecks have clinched a 2019 NLL playoff berth after the Vancouver Warriors lost 12-9 to the Saskatchewan Rush. The next fell to the San Diego Seals last night, 16-9. Global news, Calgary weather, chance of snow showers scattered in the city later today. We climb to a high of just 6 degrees, mainly cloudy tonight with a chance of flurries as well, a low of minus 2, and then Monday, a mix of sun and cloud and plus 7. It's 1 degree at 9.05, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update is at 9.30. I'm Courtney Davidson. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. It's uh, the end of March already. March 31st. Unbelievable how fast that went by. And we definitely had a winter. Now everything is thawed out almost and uh, frost is definitely coming out of the ground. So there's a few things you can do out there in your yard. Um, one of the major things you can do is, uh, even on a day like this, is get the hose out, get the uni nozzle out. And just give all your evergreens and and that a really good, just a good wash down. Gets all the dust, gets all the bugs out of there, puts a little bit of moisture into the root, which is, it's still probably frozen, but it just gets into the top so it can slowly soak in. And, uh, and but the, your, your evergreens will really appreciate it. And you just, just to clean out any of that kind of, uh, of that mess and, uh, and dust and dirt that's been hanging on them for over the winter time because we haven't had a ton of, like we haven't had a rain really yet or anything like that to give them a good washing, but the evergreens really, really like that. So your cedars and and you can use a little bit of pressure. Don't go, don't get the pressure washer out and and uh, and use that or anything like that. But definitely use the end of a like a uni nozzle. Give them a good spray down, soak them down, and the water will come down, which is great for them. Like I said, it'll clean them out. Sort of just feels like that good uh, shower after camping for three days and you and you get home and you sort of jump in the shower and you and you feel pretty pretty good after that. So anyways, the the evergreens kinda like that. They've been camping all winter and they need that dust and and uh, so so you can definitely do that. And got a couple texts already this morning. It's good to see everyone's up nice and early. And I got someone Mm, bloody squirrels. I have traps out. Obviously, they're wise to them. They've been digging all around the holes in the lawn. And we, we talked about that last week, um, and they're going in one spot. Um, I, I would venture to guess that one of the neighbors or somebody is feeding them, and they're going in there and putting, especially if they're going to one spot, unless there's something buried there before, like some bulbs or something, I would venture that they're going in there and burying their loot um, so what you can do is there's a product called Bobex that you can use. You can spray on that spot. Um, maybe you can just go in there and see what they are digging in there. If they are digging for something or if they're burying something, then that'll, that'll help your, uh, your solution. You can also put a, a little bit of stucco wire or put a little bit of, for, for the trapping thing, maybe put a couple peanuts inside the trap and maybe they'll, they'll go in there and then you can move them off to somewhere else. But uh, typically that, I would say, is probably most of the problem. And once you get it working on the yard, they'll tend to, to do that. Maybe give the lawn a light raking 
right now if it isn't frozen is a couple of things you can do. But the bobeks I find works pretty good if they're digging in and kind of eating anything in there. Um, and there's another one that's a blood-based product. It's called Plant Skid. But if they're just digging for grass or things like that, that might be a little bit of a better product. It's a blood-based thing out of Sweden called Plant Skid, and that's with a S-K-Y-D on the end. And it works really quite well. I just, I've switched most of our repellent over recommendation over to the Bobex just because it's a herb-based product. And you can spray it on your flowers, your trees and shrubs, things like that, where you're not going to get the the blood staining on your things. You don't want to make it look like you had a, a bloodbath in the backyard, which is... But anyways, that's... Life of gardeners, <laughs> they do all kinds of things to to keep the to keep the critters away. If anybody has any hints or anything like that, please. Uh, and I got Cass Smythe calling in um, in a little bit, so she's going to tell us what's going on down at the Hort Society, as well as their show coming up. And uh, she's always got stuff going on at this time of year. It sort of she kicks into her busy time, so she maybe she has some hints on what we can do with those squirrels as well. Um, they're good to see. It's always those ones. I always find you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I, like it's always pretty cool seeing the squirrels race around your yard, playing, having some fun. But when they start digging and eating, then it kind of gets frustrating. I understand all that kind of stuff. And I got another text. It says, good morning. Our tree has been suffering from leaf miners over the last few years. We're now armed ourselves with Rage Plus. How and when should we apply it? Um, with your birch tree really what you want to do right now is all around it if you didn't do a really good cleanup last fall you can give everything just a good raking if the just be careful in the grass if we're out there doing any early lawn cleanup you don't want to go heavy you give everything a light raking just to remove a little bit but you don't want to start digging in quite yet because it's still frozen a little bit wet probably down there so you just want to you want to leave it a little bit longer a couple more weeks or so here and then we can give it our power raking and all that kind of stuff. But when you want to, so what I would do with the birch tree is give it a good raking. Make sure you clean up any of the leaves, especially if it had lots of leaf miner last year. Clean up any of that. And then I would spray the ground with, and the trunk and all that, with pure spray green. And then that'll help look after any of the eggs and things like that that maybe are in there and the leaf miners. And then um, just when you start seeing the bud swell, Put the soaker hose when you just start seeing a little bit of light. Put the soaker hose down there. Get some good watering down into the root system, and then you can hit it with the Rage Plus, and your birch trees will re, re uh, respond really quite well with that. It gets them nice and healthy. Um, but for the birch leaf miner, the Rage Plus is more of a, a fertilizer for the for the roots and for the plant itself. For the leaf miner, there's not really a lot you can do. We do have the with our printed up team, they are doing the injections where we can inject it with a systemic insecticide that will look after the leaf miners for you. And and usually you get a two-year residual out of it, which is fairly decent. So you, that's that's a program that you might want to get signed up for if you have larger, brute, um, <laughs> larger birch trees that you want us to look after. It makes a big difference. And, uh, and again, with the Rage Plus, um, you're pretty much looked after. And when I was talking about a couple other things you can do, giving your lawn a light raking is fine. Like I said, unless it, I, like I still have a little bit of snow on the front side of our house. It's uh, the front yard is east, so there's a little bit of snow still left in the front. The back is dry. Could do a light raking, 
give it a fertilizer. And we had a lot of people coming in, picking up the green it up fertilizer. And I'm always, I'm always amazed at the story I hear. Um, I have to get some for my neighbor because my grass was greener than his last year or greener than hers last year. And we have a lot of people picking up grass for their neighbors. So that's the nice thing about gardeners where we where, where like to share. And, and if you don't know the, the story on the greened up fertilizer, what we've done, we've recreated our own fertilizer for the Calgary, Alberta area because we have the hard, heavy clay and all the stuff that you get in the box stores like the, the Scots, and I've seen those commercials coming up, and the CIL, Golf Green, and blah, blah, blah. They're all the same. They're 3204. There's nothing in the middle for the roots. So the numbers are the nitrogen's in the front, the middle is the phosphorus, and then the potash and the last is, is sort of your all-around fertilizer. That just uh, So basically what they do is they get it really green, but with the fertilizer with nothing in the middle, it gets green, but then as soon as it warms up in the summertime, it dries out really quickly because there's no root system. So what we've done, we've created that, the green it up fertilizer with the 16326. So that way you have a really good, nice, get the roots down nice and deep so it digs into our heavy clay and it becomes a lot more drought tolerant. You water way less and it stays nice and green and you're not mowing all the time. So it still gets really, really green. Um, and I know Brad... From the store, him and Neil, they both worked at Sunnyside before. And Neil, the guy that was working with Brad, um, is a lawn fanatic. And he switched over to it last year um, when he was still working at Sunnyside. And he, he couldn't believe how well it worked. So anyways, if you're, if you're looking to get that nice green grass, those are the kind of things you do. Don't want to do any power raking yet. Just hold off and and you're pulling the plugs, the aerating still still too early, the ground's still too frozen, You're, the aerator's just going to bounce on top, so I would just hold off on that for a little bit as well. So there's definitely definitely things you can do, but it's still a bit of planning, looking out, having a, having a peek out there. Um, a little bit of spring pruning is always good, looking for those dead, damaged, or diseased branching. Um, today is the last day you can get any kind of pruning on your elm, if there is a there is a law out there that you, you're not allowed to prune your elms after that. So please, uh, if you have anything left to do, I know our crew was out um, doing quite a few elm last week, and uh, and we got everybody we in that had booked with us. So hopefully they they all got looked after. That's great. And it might take one quick call. I got lots of texts. Everyone's up early this morning, which is awesome. Tons of tons of. Uh, Text and I got John. I'm going to give John a morning, John. Oh, good morning. How are you, sir? Well, I'm gaining up speed today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, I think one of my uh, spruce trees is in deep doo-doo. Uh-oh, what's it doing? Well, it's starting to brown. The needle's starting to brown from the top down. From the top down. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not great if it's from the top. Is it just in the center, though, John, or, or is it on the outsides? Uh, on the outsides. And I, how old is I it? To take a picture of it. And yeah. it it doesn't really show up all that well, but yeah, maybe if you can text me a picture to the to the same phone number you just called in, John, that would be great. I don't have one of those smartphones. No, yet. no, you no. Can, can you email it to me? I can. Yeah, just just email it to me. You got my email. Just email me a picture, and I'll uh, I'll have a look at it right away. Okay. All right. Yeah, and uh, you, the, the main thing to do is hose it off as best you can, and, and you want to. Give it a good spring watering here pretty soon. And depending how is it? That's the one in the front. So it's, it's the front yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so it's going to be probably all the snow's gone and everything, so you can start watering maybe in a, in a couple of weeks or so, another week or so. Well, Just... I've been taking snow from the back to the front. Okay, the good. Yeah, awesome. Get watered there. Perfect. Yeah. What about trimming uh, apple trees? Absolutely. No. Yeah, right now is a great time to do that. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, the, our Prune It Up team's been out. We've doing a fair bit of shaping and uh, and uh, on a lot of the fruit and apple trees and things like that, and then they'll get a really nice flush. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. All right, John. A great one. All right, take care, sir. Thank you, Mark. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and I think we're just going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And, all right. I got some pictures going on. Um, Lynn, my lilies, any advice? She's got them going into a nice little pot. They're already starting to come up. Um, what do you, any advice on planting outside? Um, no, basically, once you get them up, you typically want to wait to about mid May, depending on what, what the weather's doing outside. Um, just keep them in good sun. Don't get, don't let them get real, real hot. Otherwise, they'll stretch out on you. So with those lilies, so but right now is a good time. And as they grow a little bit more, you can put a little bit more soil in that pot. She has the pot filled about three quarters of the way, and they're starting to sprout up. So I just let them come up, and then maybe add just another half inch inch of loose soil just to to firm those up in that pot, and then you should be good and ready to go outside soon. And hopefully, it'll go quick. But we still, it's. It's still, we have all of April and typically mid-May, 10 of So we got a month and a half sort of thing before we're really planting heavily outside. So right now, if you do like to join me, the phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I'm going to go to the phone lines and talk to Scott. Good morning, Scott. Yes, good morning, Merle. I have two questions for you. Yes, sir. Okay, first one is Annabelle hydrangeas. My yeah. understanding is in the spring, I let them stand all winter because of the flower. It gives a nice effect in the front of the house. Absolutely. And I, my understanding is you cut them right down to the ground come spring. Yes, you do. With the animals you do, and then there's the, all, a lot of the other ones like the quick fires and the PGs and all of them. Those will come out. Those will bloom on old wood. That's right. Yeah. What type the, of fertilizer would you recommend for the spring for the for Annabelle? They like the, they don't actually don't mind a, even like a thirty ten ten or a twenty twenty twenty. They do okay. really well with that. Um, they because they have lots of foliage, so they they don't mind a little higher first number. Okay. And uh, you can do the fifteen thirty five. Any one of those, like if you have kind of an all purpose, those ones I kind of like, and especially for the Annabelle. But the thirty ten ten, it gives them, it adds a little more green into their leaves as well because they have so much foliage on them. Right. So right. you should be good. One of my favorite plants because they can go in the shade as well. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And a lot of people always struggle and try and put things that shouldn't be in the shade. In the shade, and then they they never look great. But that's one of those ones with those ligularias and some hostas or brunaria or something. You create a super nice shade garden. So, and okay. yeah, another question. Yeah, second one is this: like 
finally took out this old 50-year-old poplar on the west side, and it was getting so dangerous I had to take it out before I couldn't take it out, get out of the backyard. And I want to replace it with a shade tree. I was wondering if you could suggest something that grows well in this area that's both moderate to a quick growth. Um, I would go, we actually have some really nice silver willows um, that look phenomenal. They almost look like a Russian olive, but they grow a lot quicker and very hardy. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're looking for a larger tree, the golden willow is really nice as well because you get the really nice yellow bark in the wintertime, which unfortunately eight months of the year, so they give you some interest in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Elms are good. The only worry I have with elm is sometimes they, with our snow load, depending on that, that's sort of one of the downfalls on them. That's right, yes. Yeah, it, it, it that can happen. But a lot of the willows, they're, they're, if you're looking for a faster-growing tree in Calgary, those are great. But And then there's lots of the medium-sized trees, like the Ohio buckeye, the hawthorns, um, the gladiator crabs, things like that are, are some more trees that are really good as well. And- but they're not big, big shade trees. Okay, yeah, I was looking for something that would give me some width to it. Yeah, as far then as shade tree. definitely the the willow. And how far away from the spot where you get, where you were planted with the poplar? Well, it's going to be pretty close to the area. How did it grind it out, the stump grind yeah, it out? That's not going to be good enough. In a, yeah, in okay. a, so what you typically need to do is what we do is we come in with a bobcat. Yeah. Or or guys that love digging for a few hours, <laughs> and uh, so, but we do have a walk behind bobcat. It just it, get in there, remove a bunch of the old soil, remove a bunch of the roots. Otherwise, you end up with mushrooms and all that kind of stuff coming up because there's a ton of organic root matter in there. And right. once it starts rotting, you get all kinds of uh, and you just every time you dig, you're just hitting something, and it's just a so. Just do a little bit more upfront work, and then you'll be much happier in that garden and creating a good garden space for your new tree. Okay. As a rule of thumb, when I'm taking on an old tree like that, I want to replant in the same area, and you don't want to obviously plant right over it, as you gave suggestions why not to. Uh, how far out could I go safely? Let's say like six, eight feet? Uh, well, typically with a tree, like if it's a big poplar, like they, they're going to be roots 20 feet around that thing. All, yeah, all yeah close this, by. this one was 40 feet, and it was probably <laughs> six feet of circumference. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have roots everywhere, like around that. Yeah. So you, I would remove a, a good 15-foot diameter circle, and I know it's a little bit upfront work and cost a bit, but it's just it's so much worth it because otherwise it's a lot of work digging that out all the time. I would think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for this. All right. Thanks, Scott. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's always the thing, and and I do try to make sure <clears throat> with our team too, with our with our team of arborists that are out, and when we send out the grind deer, um, we have to make sure that they understand that grinding it doesn't mean you can plant in the same spot. They're only going down six, eight inches, twelve inches at the most, maybe a little bit deeper. Typically, you can't plant in that area right after. Um, it it takes a long time for that root. So, but so if you are planning on removing that. And planting in the same area, I would just go for a soil um, remediation little project where you get in there, dig it out, and go from there, and uh, and then you're 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 really really good from that point on. And I'm probably should just take a break here. We're pretty close, hey, Gordon, or is that good? Yep. All right. I actually got one more minute. I'll just uh, I'll babble on a little bit more. And here's a, another suggestion: a little leaf linden. That's a great um, suggestion as well for a, for a shade tree that does well. Ohio buckeye I'd mentioned, <clears throat> and I was talking with Vaughn with from Five Star Trees. 
Um, he grows quite a few trees for us as well. And he has a couple of varieties of the Ohio Buckeye, one that definitely he's he's had that continually turns red. So he separated that one out from his from his orange ones. And we were kind of joking, right? Call it the fire Buckeye. It, uh, it's going to be a little bit more red than some of the other ones. Um, and it says, hi, Merle, tuned in as, just as you were talking about the Bob X. Is it safe for cats and dogs? Yes. It's a herb-based product. If they eat it, it's just, just going to taste bad. So that's sort of what deters the the other things from eating them as well. So, yes, it is quite safe. And same with the plant skid. It's a blood-based product. Um, so you're you're totally fine on that. And now I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's cloudy and one degree in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Courtney Davidson. An extremely contagious disease has been confirmed for a second time this month in our city. HS reports that an individual was in a variety of public areas since March 26th through to the 29th. Areas include the Peter Lougheed Hospital Emergency Department and Outpatient Waiting Room, Alberta Provincial Laboratories in McKnight Village, Beddington Clinic and Sunridge Clinic, along with the McDonald's Restaurant located at 2680 52nd Street Northeast. Yesterday, the United Conservatives shared their party's platform with the public. Now, it's the NDP's turn. NDP leader Rachel Notley will speak today at 10.30 in Edmonton. She'll share what the NDP's goals while in government for the next term are. And the Canadian Women's Hockey League is no more. The CWHL's board of directors have decided to discontinue operations May 1st of this year. In a statement, the league said, Unfortunately, while the on-ice hockey is exceptional, the business model has proven to be economically unstable. Global News Calgary weather. Chance of snow showers scattered in the city later today, climbing to a high of just six. Mainly cloudy tonight with a chance of flurries early in the evening, a low of minus two. Back up to plus seven tomorrow and a mix of sun and cloud. It's one degree breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news is at 10. I'm Courtney Davidson. Welcome back to Let's Talk Garden. I'm take one text and then we're going to go to Cass Smythe. This text is Morning Merle. Katoni Aster and Scale last year you recommended Pure Spray Green beginning of July. Is it advisable to apply something now? What I'd really look at if you have if it if you've had a really bad infestation on your on your Katoni Aster and it, and and it, you can see lots of scale on it and there's lots of deadwood, I would do a full rejuvenation of it. That's just taking it right down to the ground, uh, three to four inches off the ground. Good clean cut, nice sharp chainsaw, and then go through after. And if there's any sh- stuff that maybe got a little bit shredded, um, just do some nice clean cuts. Other than that, I would just do a really good cleanup of the old leaves, things like that. Um, you can, you could do a thing of Pierce Bay Green, but it's still a little bit early for that because you got to get them when they're flying on those ones. Um, so, but the main thing is a good cleanup. And if the, if it is really infested, I would just I would deal with it with uh, rejuvenation, and then and with when you do that, use a soaker hose after. Give it a good soaking, kind of once a week. And fertilizer, either the Rage Plus or 202020, 
would be phenomenal for that, and you'll just see it grow like crazy, and it'll be right back up to where you where you had it in no time, but nice and healthy. All right, now I'm going to go to Cass Smythe, and uh, we'll talk about some healthy gardening. What's going on, Kath? How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. How are you? Good, good. You're busy. I know we had chatted earlier in the week. You got lots of stuff going. That you had when, some things going in mahogany. and Yeah, and I'm going back there next week. <laughs> Actually, I, I just want to mention that real quick, too, because I know we, we are doing a project with mahogany. They want to become the daffodil <laughs> community of Calgary. They're very excited about it. They were really thrilled with that you were going to get involved. Yeah, I know. So we're going to do uh, we're going to do a big uh, daffodil festival and a big planting in the fall with them, and uh, we're going to be participating in some of their events and things like that. So I, I think it's kind of a cool. Also, if any other communities out there, pick a flower. And uh, create an identity, but I think the daffodil one in in, uh, in yeah, mahogany is a well, cool one. Well, now you're going to have to learn the poem about Daffy Down Dilly. Uh, <laughs> or I'll let you I'll let you do that one, Catherine. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one uh, under you at you and see what well, you thought. When we're at mahogany planting them, I'll let you you can uh, lead the whole course and, uh, right. and get uh, every, get the whole community. They have to know it. That'll be their their uh, their anthem. Well, I, it's funny since then I've been thinking about it because um, I always like that one oh, it nice. was a, it's a nursery rhyme so some oh, cool. point in time yeah you'll have to share yeah. with us but anyway right. yeah so, so you guys got some things going on at the hort society and we sure do what's it's, going on well it's a busy calendar we're doing well design your yard workshops yeah. in various communities that's why we'll be in uh, mahogany next week so they're three-part series and they're just basically taking your yard and taking a good look at it and seeing what you have for a future plant, and then just taking you through the various phases of how are you going to implement it and where you're going to take it next in the next steps. And it isn't like do it all now. This is getting yourself an established phased plan so that you can move on and make things better. And the first one starts tomorrow, and that one's at the new in the noontime. But and you're not joking about that, right? You're not going to not show up and say, "Ha, April Fools." Yeah, no, I have to show up. Unfortunately, <laughs> okay. I'm the instructor. And then the following week, we start one in a three-part series in Mahogany. Okay. So we go throughout the city in various communities, and if you watch the Hort Society calendar, they'll pop up all the way through there. Okay. And then just to change it up a bit, um, we're doing veggie choices for the Chinook Gardener, Gardener in. Calgary, and it's the first of the Community Garden series, and this one's at the Banff Trail community, and it's $10 at the door. I love seeing those community gardens around town. Oh, I, just, I do too. Yeah, yeah, even though you drive by it in the nighttime, or not nighttime, but just in the evenings after dinner, you see a lot of the people there. It, it really, I think it brings a lot of the community, gets people out and about. Well, it's and, a conversation, and it's a social thing. Absolutely. And, you love know, it. it's it's just one of the one of those things that you know, really interests people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and and then I'm going. I we've declared this the year of squash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first. Well, I did the first talk uh, at CD Saturday, but now this coming Thursday we're going to do pumpkin in a pot, and we're going to talk about pumpkins and growing pumpkins and squash. And the first, it's at the Horticultural Society office, and we're going to plant pumpkin seeds in our little garden out back just to see how big a pumpkin we can grow. Okay. And then we have the beginner gardener things like starting from scratch, and that's on our website as well. And we've got a class that's going to be done by Elaine Rude called Gardening Fundamentals. 
and that's a two-day course, and it's run at the office, and we're going to walk everyone from the soils and the compost through the different kinds of tools and what does grow best here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's April, and that's just a little touch so, on So, but anything else, they can go check in at the Curry Hort Society website, obviously? Obviously, yeah. Okay, and, I just wanna, and I just want to chat on a couple other things. So, right now, April, it comes quick, and it's amazing oh. how we go from zero to 500 miles an hour in the gardening business. Oh, and yeah. I know we had people in yesterday, do you have trees out in the tree lot yet and stuff? I'm just like... No, we had snow last week. So yeah. And and you know, still the soil's still a little wet. It's still frozen. And you shouldn't be walking on it. You're just going to suffocate it. Yeah, but there is some things like in some of your areas, you you can get ready to start planting some of your cool varieties, like well, your, yes. your beets and and some of these things, peas and spinach. What about and- Brussels sprouts? I just um, I got a caller here, a text. Can you talk about Brussels sprouts, thinking of planting in the garden this year? Any well, advice? Well, the sooner you can get them out, and if you've got some started, it's a good idea. They're a cool season vegetable. They also yeah. take about 100 and, I think it's 120 days to to produce. So you want to get them in a fairly sunny location, but That's you could, right. you got to start them early. You do have to start them early. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with buying a package of that insulate fabric. Yep. And that allows the water and the light to get through. But if the temperature drops, heaven forbid, to minus ten, <laughs> yeah, we can. You can still protect them from the frost, but okay. it's it's a good protection. So, what, what's a good advice on planting Brussels sprouts? If so, this this person here wants to start some Brussels sprouts to get their seeds. Get the seeds, and and I personally, because the soil is still a little cold, I was out with my compost thermometer in my back garden checking my temperature because I want to plant my sweet peas and my peas and all the rest of it. And the soil's still a little cold and my thermometer wouldn't go deep. So get them started and I do it like this week and put them in pots and put them in there and then they'll be up. And once they form two to four, three sets of firm, good leaves, get them out there, deep deep holes and don't crowd them. They need at least six inches on either side. Yeah, because they branch out like when when they get the Brussels sprout on top, they they, they get fairly big. Yeah, and they get big cabbage leaves. Yeah. So they form their Brussels all along the stem of the Brussels sprouts. And they're so tasty. And you know, there's nothing nicer. Oh, I do too. A lot of people look at me like I'm crazy, but I like them. Yeah, I think they're tasty. Well, but I think I mean, they this think of the old soggy weather. way, right? Like they when they used to just get boiled, but now they they've come up with so many great ways of cooking oh, them. Oh, I know. I like to fast fry them and then just yeah. slice them up, so and good. they're very tasty. And I like them raw. So. I, I haven't eaten that. You know, I used to eat potatoes when I was a kid raw. I don't know why. <laughs> potatoes. Um, I always carrots, peas. Um, yes. Yeah, radishes. Yeah. I, I, lots of, of veggies. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I don't there's know why. Nothing, there's nothing like pulling a carrot fresh out of the garden and just brushing it off on your jeans and eating it fresh. Yeah, it's absolutely. really tasty. And all of these crops should be starting now. Like in in the next three weeks, this will this is heavy season yeah. because all the cool season vegetables, peas, Carrots, yep. beets, cabbages. And so one quick way of doing it is if you have those row covers, like the little plastic mini greenhouses, you can yes. put those out yes. and those will heat up your rows and things like that too and help thaw and then out And once your quicker. cabbages and your brussels are in space, you've got some cloches, you know, those plastic yep. domes. You put a cloche over top and I like the ones with the air holes at the top and yep. you can either dial them shut or you have a rock and you put it on top and it holds it in place. But Perfect. there's so many ways to extend your season, but the frost cloth 
moths, my favorite, yeah. and I have closure. Well, it's easy to put out, and you're not damaging. It's easy to put on and off. And... That's right, and you're not hurting anything because it's lightweight. Perfect. All right, Kath, i got to go, so thank All you right. so much. And Thanks. you can reach Kath and everybody down at the Calgary Hort Society at uh, calhort.org, correct? You're right. You've got it, Merle. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Kath. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Randy. Good morning, Randy. Morning, Merle. How are you today? Good, good. How can I help you? Merle, I tuned in a little bit late. I got it. just tuned in when you were talking about the Green It Up lawn fertilizer. The yes. 1633-6. Yeah. It's all about four hours from Calgary. You know, you know anywhere else where you guys handle that? that um, could- no, we basically, we make this ourselves. It's just, it hasn't been available to the masses, and that's sort of why I created it. Okay. And um, the reason being is just in Alberta, you might be able to hit um, maybe some of your UFA. They might have something closer but typically in your box stores, you're just going to get that 320. Because what they do, they, they manufacture it for where the population is Vancouver and Toronto. And they right. don't need the phosphorus in their soil, right? They got lots okay. and they have a different soil. But in Alberta, when we have that hard clay, you definitely need it. So, um, okay. so I might, yeah, possibly even some of these farm fertilizer places that mix. They might they have something that yeah, yeah, they might have something close into those numbers. If not, uh, spruce it up. It's a nice drive from Wainwright. No. Awesome. You betcha. No, that's good. One more quick question. Yes. I have a lot of the towering poplar, towering yeah. aspen in my yard, and they seem to, so the roots come fairly high. They're actually coming up on the grass in some spots. Yeah. So they really seem to suck up the moisture, and it takes a lot of water. Um, I don't suppose there's really a lot a guy can do with that to yeah. keep your grass healthy, is there? Yeah, what I like to do is just do a, a bed separation. Like, so if you even if you rent a sod cutter and sort of go like five or six feet out, are these in a row or are they... They're in a row, yeah. Yeah, so what I do is about five or six feet out from the row of, of columnar aspens or poplars, if you get a sod cutter and this cut a strip of sod out yep. and all the way along on each side of it, and then and then that'll cr- create a little bit of a barrier, right? And then okay. you just spray Roundup on the rest of it, of the grass okay. in between, and okay. then just put bark mulch on top. And okay. and and that'll be great. And just put like three or four inches of bark mulch on there. That'll hold the moisture in, and okay. and uh, you should be good to go. Or if you or if you want to do a, a a mini tie or something like that, a four by four post all the way along. Depends what matches your your landscape right. and to what to what extent you want to take it. But that I find works really well. Is just a good thick layer of uh, of bark mulch holds the moisture in. And uh, it just makes them a lot more healthy and, and keeps it uh, a little bit more sustained and keeps the weeds down and things like that. Right. So the the roots try to, like, I have them going out probably 15 feet from the tree. So they're, and that's, I guess, like you said, if I keep the mulch around them and keep that yeah, wet. It'll keep the, it, yeah, yeah, it'll keep the roots closer. They're not searching everywhere for, for moisture. Right. Sounds fair. Awesome. All righty. Thank you for your time, Earl. Have Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thanks you for bet. listening. Oh, I mean, sorry. Bye. Randy. Sorry, Tim is in Duchess. We're going all over Alberta today. Um, sorry, that was, uh, yeah, Randy. From all the way in Wainwright. So I'm going to go to, where am I at? Ed in Calgary. 
Morning, Ed. Morning. How are you? I have a question. I'm planning to do some experimenting with grafting apple trees on a dynasty crab. Oh, nice. Uh, when's the appropriate time that you can start grafting, and, and what's the latest date? Um, well, typically you want to do it before they're budding out. So, so you're getting real close to any time now, like as, as it's thawing. I know the, the apples are a lot of times the ones that swell up the earliest mm-hmm. and they get the juices going. I know I have one, I have an espalier type apple up against my house and it, the leaves are already starting to pop out on it a little bit. Um, so you, you could almost any time, like mid-April, and you really, once they get leafed out, you don't want to go much past that. Yeah, like, because I think I notice uh, uh, some buds that are starting to develop on the yeah. apple tree. And I have the same question for the for the, for an Evans cherry. Uh, I'd like to experiment with uh, grafting some of the Romance uh, brands on an Evans cherry. Like, uh, yeah. well, we've already got the Carmen. We've got it from your place. Try Juliet, some yeah. of the other brands. Uh, and I, but the cherry trees are budding out right now. Yeah, no, they they a lot of the fruit pushes so that, and that's sort of where I try to make sure we we water them in well in the fall, keep them frozen so they don't bud out too early, because then that's typically when we lose our we lose our, a lot of our fruit production if they bud out and get going too early, and we get a early or a little bit of a later heavy frost. Um, that's typically when we lose some of our fruit production. So, so I could uh, graft on the cherry tree right now. Yeah, absolutely. It? Yeah, and the apple too. And the apple too. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All Have right. a good day. Yeah. Good luck. Let me know how that goes. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Love that. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Got a couple texts. I have some leftover neem oil granular that I'd like to use on my bird's tree. Um, does it have any effects on the birds? I don't believe it does. Um, on, I'm, I'm not sure if they, they get in and eat the worms. What it does, it just stops them, the the worms from eating, and they just die off that way. Um, I think I, I would think you're going to be fine. I've never heard when we used to sell quite a bit of it. Um, I never heard any effect of that, but that's something you might want to just Google, check that out. But I'm assuming the neem oils will be safe for that as well. You should be good to go. And what else? Where am I on? I got lots of, uh, what is a good advice? What is a good fertilizer for fruit trees? I really like using the 153015 water soluble. Give your trees and shrubs a good drink um, and your fruit trees. And then do a soak in of fifteen thirty fifteen, some of the little higher middle number, and that's good for the fruit production, flower production, and uh, and get them nice and healthy. And you probably want to give them three or four shots, sort of every every two weeks, sort of between May and the end of July, and that'll ensure you have really nice production with all your fruit. And I got a full foam board, so I'm gonna go down to. Tim and Duchess. Good morning, Tim. Morning. How can I help you? Uh, I live just north of Edmonton, about a half hour north of Edmonton. I have Swedish aspen and tower poplars. Yep. And I've got some grubs or bugs, some augering into the trunk. And I've got uh, a little pile of sawdust around the, the base of the trunk, and it's killed one. Yeah, you got uh, weevils in there. Okay, how do you get rid of those? Um, unfortunately, in the retail market, they've gotten rid of all the systemics. They used to have a really good weevil product that we could use. Um, the best thing to do is call an arborist up there and find one that does some of the injections. 
and uh, and uh, get a professional advice on that one. But okay. there there is there is injections for it. Like down here in Calgary, we we'll, we would do an injection for that. But uh, up there, I'm not too sure of the which companies. But check out a couple of them, and uh, and that would be the really the only way of doing it. Are you on a farm or? Yeah. Okay, you might even be able to go to the UFA and chat with one of the guys there, and they might be able to set you up with something. I know you guys have access to a different line of pesticides than the typical retail space. Okay. And and usually most UFA guys, are they have someone in-house that is usually very, um, has lots of knowledge on that stuff and should be able to help you out. So you're looking for something... Um, and I would, if you're getting the dust and that, it's a weevil and it's just getting in there. I've seen it take down like lots of willows. I haven't seen a lot of them on aspens and that, but obviously if you're getting the sawdust, you got a weevil in there. So, uh, that's what I would do is just to see what you can find from the UFA or call it a certified arborist out that can look after that for you. Very good. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Time for where we are. I'm going to go to Myrna. Good morning, Myrna. Hi, good morning, Merle. How are you? Good, thank you. How about you? Very, very good. Spring is um, in the air. It's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, it's re- been really nice in the past few days. And, you know, my question is, I I wanted to move some perennials. Okay. Will it be safe to do that now before they sprout out? It, it is. It's just a matter of if you can dig into the soil. Yeah, um, I can. I well, tried yesterday, actually. I dug it. Look and at it, you go. Huh? You said, look at you go. <laughs> I am aching to garden. Oh, yeah, my gosh. No, the, as long as you can move it. And it, it's frozen. It's perfect. The more dormant, the better. The better success. Just dig the hole where you're going to move it, Myrna, first. Yeah. And prepare that hole. And then just dig out a clump of root. Try to keep it close to the same size as the hole you have dug. And then um, pop it into a bucket or into a, a small tarp or something like that. And, and then move it over to the spot where you're going to do it. I like to mix some mics in there or 15, 30, 15 or Rage Plus. Any one of those three will help with the roots. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I was going to ask you about that. I still have those. Yeah, absolutely. Just use the mics on that if you have some. Yeah. Rub that all over the root in there and in the hole, and that'll make a, all the difference. Okay. So, uh, I, and after I move it, do I have to water it? Yes. You can leave it for a day or so, let it heal, especially if there's no heat and if the soil's fairly moist. Just leave it for a little bit, leave it for a day or two, and then give it some water, and then uh, and then you should be fine. Okay. All right. Well, how come this year the my bald begonias are not growing very fast? Well, it, it, it depends how much light they're getting, and they they do take a bit of time to get going. Yeah, I, I know this, but uh, they they're not. It's not fast enough. It's only eight weeks before I plant them. Yeah, they're but only that, like an inch tall. Yeah, that's fine. The ones that get going, they're concentrated on the roots though first, Myrna, right? Yeah. So just do. just be a little patient, and that you'd rather have that than it sending up a big leggy thing, especially on your begonias. Yeah. You okay. rather so what you can do is just do you got them in like four inch pots or something like that? A four inch, some are six inch because they're so huge. They're yeah. like a spread of my of my palm. So just so flip it over upside down in your hand, mm-hmm. 
and just see if you see any nice roots in there, nice furry white roots. Yeah, and, yeah, I do already. Okay, perfect. That's it's concentrated on roots, and if you're seeing those nice healthy white roots, you're you're good to go. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, all right. Merle. You're a big help all the time. That's why I listen. Thank you, Myrna. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. I got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's cloudy and one degree in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Courtney Davidson. If you've never received a measles vaccination, you could be at risk. HS is warning that a second case of the measles has been confirmed this month. An individual with a lab-confirmed case was in a variety of public areas in the city. You can check exposure areas and time frames on our website. HS recommends if you or a family member have not received the vaccination in the past, to go to the Brentwood Clinic tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Continuing our Decision Alberta coverage after the UCP's big platform announcement yesterday, the NDP says they're confused. NDP candidate for Edmonton, Sarah Hoffman, is wondering how Kenny will pay for the $4.5 billion tax cuts for corporations. And when it comes to repealing the carbon tax, there's still concerns there as well. Hoffman says with a provincial carbon tax, there's more control over spending. Now it's the NDP's turn to unveil its party's election platform. Rachel Notley will speak today at 10.30 in Edmonton. Oil, gas and politics were on the minds of many in Drayton Valley Saturday. About 100 people attended a rally in hoping to hear what candidates in Alberta's provincial election plan to do about their region's struggling oil and gas sector. Organizer Tim Cameron with Rally Canada said the group extended an invitation to all Drayton Valley area representatives from all seven parties running in the election. NDP candidate Kieran Quirk made an appearance and addressed the crowd. Alberta NDP has been pro-oil for years. Uh, we've been fighting for the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, Rachel Notley has been fighting very hard for that for years. Uh, fighting Bill C-69 in Ottawa. Uh, NC48. It's the first time a rally in support of oil and gas has been held in Drayton Valley since the election was called. The British Parliament votes tomorrow on another round of alternatives to Prime Minister Theresa May's deal to pull the country out of the European Union. May is hoping for an approach that can command a majority after MPs rejected her Brexit deal for a third time last week. There are reports that she is considering holding a fourth vote on her plan. As Mozambique battles to control a fast-spreading cholera outbreak in the cyclone-hit central city of Beira, international assistance is arriving. The number of cholera cases jumped to 271 over the weekend, although no deaths from the disease had been reported. The World Health Organization has said some 900,000 cholera vaccine doses are expected to arrive on Monday with a vaccination campaign to start later this week. Taking a quick look at sports, the Canadian Women's Hockey League is folding. The CWHL's board of directors have decided to discontinue operations May 1st of this year because, quote, the business model has proven to be economically unstable. The news comes a week after the 12th edition of the Clarkson Cup. 
And the NHL's Western Conference title is up for grabs tonight when the Flames play the Sharks in San Jose. Calgary has a six-point lead on the Sharks and can clinch top spot with a win. Game time is 6 o'clock. Global News Calgary weather. Chance of snow showers scattered in the city today. Climbing to a high of just 6. Mainly cloudy tonight. Chance of flurries as well. A low of minus 2. And then tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud and plus 7. It's 1 degree at 1034. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update is at 1030. I'm Courtney Davidson. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coons, and I'm going to go to the phone lines. And if you'd like to join me, there's a couple spots left open there. 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. That is the talk and text line right now. We're going to go to Mary in High River. <laughs> Mary, you slept in today. What's going on? Well, not much. I just wanted to know when, do, when are you going to open... Um, your greenhouse, probably April. Yeah, well, the the greenhouse with all the tropicals is in. The outdoor ones are yeah, open. I, know. Tro- I was up there and getting my compost stuff. Yeah, we got a bunch of uh, a pansies, and this week we'll start oh, putting stuff out. Yeah, this, so this week we'll we'll start getting some of the hardier varieties. Yeah, in. and then you'll open the greenhouse. Yeah, like, yeah, the big absolutely, greenhouse. absolutely. Yeah, and we're putting the skin on the the new perennial house, so Ooh. it'll be ready to go by the end of the week as well. Good. So just really watch the weather, Mary, and that, yeah. that's kind of what no, we. I won't put them out, I, but I just was wondering. Yeah, we yeah. can. We like to bring them in, and we keep them in the cold frames to keep yeah. them climatized. We don't want to soften them up. No. So they uh, they'll be ready to go. Yeah, we're it, it, as you know, it changes so fast, right? Like a <laughs> week ago, we were shoveling <laughs> it's snow. You need to plant anything outside. Well, you could maybe. Like do it. It's what still you got to wait till mid-May. Like yeah. some of the stuff you can definitely do, like seeding and things. That's but if you're, but if you're planting trees and shrubs no. and flowers, you're waiting to mid to That's end true. of May. That's and true. and yeah, it's just you're best better off because we we always get our little snowstorm or yeah. that little temperature uh, oh, plunges. Yeah, good snow today. It's yeah, they cold say that wind blowing. Yeah. Anyway, another question. Yeah. Oh, and thanks, Kat. We're talking about Brussels sprouts. I think I'll have some for supper. Nice. Oh, I love them fried and put bacon on them. Oh, oh they're good. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, this compost, I was up to get yeah. that. And so I have never bought compost before. Okay. So I, I want to put it in. I want to mend my 20-foot, uh, at least, uh, sweet pea bed. Okay. So, Okay. I'm, I, I can dig it already because it's on the south side. Okay. So I've got it all dug up. So how much of that, your your good compost, do I put in and, like, do I just throw it in and mix it with the yes. soil? And yeah, put, I throw about I'm two gonna inches. I'm going to put new soil in, too. Okay. I would put in the new soil first. Okay. Um, turn it over and then add your compost and then turn it over again. Put a couple inches in and that'll be fine. Yeah, and then, but just dig, dig it in. Yeah, like with a fork. I yeah, absolutely. Put it in. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I haven't used it before because I want to plant my sweet peas. Yeah, I know. So just rejuvenate the soil. You're going to remediate the soil right now. Yeah. And that's perfect. Just get your fork in there, turn it over a little bit, yeah. add your compost, and you're great. Yeah, because I dug it all up now. It's ready to go. Okay. Because I love sweet peas. Perfect. And then I got some. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Thanks, Mara. Thank you. Yeah. Good yeah, to hear from I you. I like listening to Cal. She's a bray of hope. If yeah. I lived in Calgary, I'd belong. Yeah. No, she's great. Yeah. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. Where am I at? Got lots of people from all over Calgary today. It's awesome. I got been up in uh, by Edmonton, Wainwright. I got Lethbridge. I got Strathmore on the line here. So right now we're going to go over to Strathmore. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. How, how can I help you? A uh, couple of quick questions. One, uh, and you may have already answered this one uh, earlier in your show, but is it okay to prune fruit trees this time of year? Yes, it is. And not super heavy pruning, like a bit of shaping, removing some of the crisscrossing branches, um, a bit of tipping, things like that. I, I wouldn't do super heavy pruning, but yeah, they definitely can be pruned at this time of year. Okay. Second question is, we pruned some branches off a Manitoba maple, and there's quite a bit of water, yeah. sap water dripping out of it. Is that normal? Or yeah, that's why you. Not? Yeah, that's why you don't prune ap- or maples or birch and that until they're fully leafed out. Okay, that's gotcha. sort of the rule of thumb on pruning any maples, birch. You don't do right now because they're just sending all the moisture out and they'll bleed like crazy. It should yeah. be okay. Um, just make sure that when when the grounds thaw, you can make sure you're able to give it a good shot of water and that it'll heal over here soon. So don't spray okay. any of that black tar or nothing on it. Just just let it do its thing. It'll seal up. Okay, thank you. You just sir. don't want to do that too much because it'll lose all its moisture. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Greg. Bye-bye. I guess it's always a good sign that you know it's alive. So, But, yeah, right now at this time of year, you don't want to be pruning any birch or maples um, as they will uh, definitely bleed. They, they, they lose a lot of the water through that. So don't do very much the odd branch if you had to, but uh, really don't like to do a lot. We're going to go to Dale. Good morning, Dale. Um, thank you. How can I help you? You mentioned earlier about this blood-based fertilizer. Yeah, it's actually not a fertilizer. It's a it's a deer uh, pest uh, repellent. I was just wondering. It was just a general question. Like, where does it come from, or what is it? It's a, it's actually out of Sweden, and it's a it's a it's mainly marketed as a deer replacement, and or not deer replacement. Ah. A deer repellent. <laughs> Sorry. If you, you don't want to replace your deers if, if in your garden. Um, a deer repellent. And you spray it on, on the branches or on the trunk of the tree and that. And this, when they smell the blood, it, it typically scares them off. So this is real blood they're using? Yeah. Yeah, it's a blood base. It's kind of like that coagulated blood in there. They don't get the blood from the slaughterhouses here? Um, this stuff is made out of, out of uh, Sweden. So it comes over from Europe. So I'm not sure where they get it, or I have no idea. Yeah, it was just a general question. Yeah, and I, I'm that one. I'm not too sure it comes. I've really switched a lot more of our when I get people asking about deer repellent. Um, I've switched a lot of people more over to the Bobex. It's a herb-based product, and then you're just not dealing with that red tinge, and it, it's kind of gross. I'll be honest. Like it's, it, it is what it is, right? Like I, I'd rather spray a herb-based product than blood in my backyard. Um, yeah. And some people use it, but I have heard lots of people use it on the perimeter of their yard to keep out the voles and moles and stuff like that and the and the little de- and the little mice in the wintertime. You spray it in the fall around the perimeter of your yard if you live near a green belt or something like that, and it just deters a lot of those little critters coming through the grass. Oh, okay. All righty. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Dale. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Yeah, that's uh, like I said, it's one of those ones um, that is is uh, it, it, you have to be just careful using it. Um, you don't want to be spraying it near your house or any of your ornamentals. The Bobex is a much better product as a repellent. And you can spray it right on your flowers, things like that. You can't spray it on your veggies so much because you'll taste it in it. And the herb mixture does not taste very good. But if you'd like to join me, the phone lines are open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I'm going to go down to Dean in Lethbridge. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. How can I help you? I have a cedar hedge. Oh, nice. That the deer yeah. said very well on this winter. Yes. How do I get that back, or can I? Um, you can. It just it, it it'll it'll definitely take a while. So what you want to do is probably try to get um, some sort of barricade to keep the deer away from it. And really, the only thing they like being fertilized. So put a soaker hose down there. Use a product called Thirty Ten Ten, something with a high first number, um, just for growth. You want to get the outer growth going on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can try to. Um, shape the upper part that didn't get chewed. You can thin it out a bit. Yeah. If it if it's a little bit because I know exactly what probably just chewed on the bottom and it and it looks like it's... the top is all green and the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've seen some people turn it more into a topiary. It depends how bad it is. So that's another way you can just trim everything else where they've chewed. Just tr- trim all that off the lower part so you leave just the trunk. And that looks actually not bad because it looks like you did it on purpose. So you're trying to create a bit of a topiary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's another suggestion because inevitably the deer are going to come back in and and go after that again. So then do I re- put that repellent on? Yes, the Bobex, yeah, the Bobex absolutely. Okay, very good. Thank and you, you need, very much. Yeah, and Dean, you need to do it. Um, typically it lasts once a month or every two months depending on how much moisture we have. If you get lots of rains, you need to replenish it. You need to respray it if it's a heavy rain sort of once a month. If, 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 if we go through a good dry period where there's no moisture, it'll last two or three months. Okay, very good. All righty. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thanks, Dean. Bye-bye. All right. And we're going down to Medicine At. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. How can I help you? Well, I have, uh, I would say they're, well... I was. I have planted them a year ago in okay. the spring. Yeah, they're Brandon cedars. Okay, and I'm looking for growth to make a a barrier type of thing. Uh, but I wrapped them last fall. Okay, and out of four plants, two of them have very dead looking tops. Yeah. What can I do? Um, basically, when if they're dead brown, you just cut that off. Okay. And it'll come up. I typically don't like um, covering or wrapping our cedars. Oh. Typically, that's done more in the east oh. um, to help from the heavy snow load and and pollution. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, and we don't have that issue here as much. We don't, a lot of times, get that real heavy snow, but that's more why they're wrapped there. <laughs> Is just from that. They have more acid rain and pollution and different things. Uh huh. And the heavy snow loads that they get. Um, so, what I like using as a product, it's just called Wilt Proof. Wilt? Wilt? Yeah, Wilt Proof. W I L T and then P R U F. And it's, uh, it's, I call it like the lip balm for your plants, for your oh. tender evergreens, like boxwood, cedars. Mm-hmm. 
things like that. You just spray it on September, October, and then maybe one more time if we get a good Chinook if it's warm throughout the throughout the winter time. And it's just, it, like it's a lip balm. It just seals in the moisture oh. and uh, and lets it sustain those uh, those dry winters that we get. Oh yes. Yeah. And so just cut off that, and then you just want to feed that with thirty ten ten. Okay. All righty. Thank you so much. All right. And how tall are they now? Oh, maybe maybe five feet. It's five feet. Okay, that's a good size. Yeah, so just even them up. If you're trying to create a bit of a hedge, just if the tops, uh, I don't know if it's six or eight inches has died off. Yes. Just trim all of them just to even them up. Okay. And then go from there. Well, thank you very much. All right. Yes, you have a good day. You too, Eleanor. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, always good to hear lots of people from all over uh, all over Alberta calling in this morning. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coons, and I'm going to go to the text line. we got a few texts. Could I add to the squirrel topic? Most people who get squirrels in the yards have bird feeders that attract squirrels, deer, and other critters. Stop feeding the birds and leave the squirrels alone. And I, and I think that's a lot of that is right. Typically, a lot of them go hand in hand from there. So, And here's another one. Good morning, Merle. Is it okay to cut branches from my pussy willow tree? They're just beautiful for making up. Absolutely, you can do that. Just be careful. Just, just where you're cutting. Don't leave a lot of stems, cuts, and just spread out your cutting. So do it like you're pruning. So do some calculated uh, cutting on your pussy willows, absolutely. And I know we got lots of great pussy willows down at the garden center. It's awesome. Love seeing those because it's usually the first sign of spring. And then here's another text. Good morning, Merle. It's Carolyn from Vernon. Could you please explain the difference in the types of begonias? Some have roots. Some have tubers. Um, can I start them indoors or can I put them right outside? Um, typically... They cannot go outside until June 1st, um, in the first week in June. Your begonias do not take any frost. So but there's 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 a fibrous begonia, there's tuberous begonias, there's pendula begonias. The, the pendula ones are the big hanging ones. There's actually now there's a full sun begonias. So a lot of them are started by seed, but then the old tuberous begonias, you don't see a lot of them anymore. And they start from a bulb. And those are the ones you get the big stalk comes up the center and hang out um, from that. But most of them are seeds. And uh, like I said, there's usually two or three varieties that we have uh, in the summertime. And then the nonstop begonias. Those are one of my favorites. So typically a begonia is a shade plant, except for there is a couple of the full sun varieties as well. And they do not take any frost, so they cannot go out. Uh, well, you're in Vernon, so you're going to be a little earlier than we are here. But you can still get frost into May out there. So just be careful um, when you're doing that. But they do typically like uh, more of a shade-type area. But gorgeous, because I like them because they give you that really, really big pop of color in the shade. So love adding those to some of the foliage things to where you have hostas and different things in your garden. And then you add some nonstop begonias in there. And they just give you that really, really nice summer color and uh, and really adds to it. Right now, I'm going to go to the phone line. And we're going to go to southern Alberta now. We're going to go all the way down. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Merle. And we have the sweet pea lady. And she's going to give us some hints 
and uh, and for maybe some tips for Mary on her sweet peas. Ah, yes. Well, actually, what I wanted to mention, Merle, was that the Horticultural Society is putting a sweet pea talk on for me to present sweet peas on Thursday. Oh, this Thursday? Yes. Awesome. Where are you doing that? Um, descriptions in the uh, Hort Society. I think it's called Christchurch. It's southwest Calgary. Okay, and this to is through honest, the... I've got to find it, too. Okay, <laughs> this is through the um, Calgary Hort Society, though, so it should be on their webpage. It's on, yes, it should be on their webpage. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to talk about the history of sweet peas and have lots of wonderful pictures to show them. Okay. Oh, and, and how to grow them as well. Oh, awesome. So if anybody's looking for some hints on sweet pea growing, um, Diane is going to be at the Christ Church, and you can get that information on the calhort.org website and, uh, and stop in and say hi. That would yes, absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, no, oh, and, yes, and I, you're coming through Calgary. If you if you if time, stop in and uh, see me at the garden center. I oh, should be I'd around. I'd love to. Yes, it's a long trip for me. I told them if there is a snowstorm, I'm not going to make it. But at the moment, <laughs> the weather looks fabulous. Yeah, right? you should be fine. So it's so nice to go out in the greenhouse. I mean, I've got them started. They're like six inches high. They've got like four sets of leaves. And just going out to the greenhouse makes you just go, "Wow, it is spring." Yeah, no kidding. Isn't it lovely? So, no, what you told Mary was absolutely bang on. I mean, you know, they do like lots of compost. I was just going to mention that I put mine on in the fall Okay. to mulch the plants when it gets, well, I put it on in the summer before it gets too hot. Yeah, we also mentioned that quite a bit because I do, I do like remediating the soil in the fall as well because it works as a mulch as well, like you were saying, to protect a lot of that stuff your perennials but then in the spring you just turn over and then you're you're amending your soil right away exactly yeah. exactly it's all done how easy is this you just pop out in the spring turn it over a bit and stick it you know if yeah. you want to stick your seeds in go ahead absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah kath just texts me she goes damn i forgot to mention that <laughs> oh <laughs> so, sure kath no but tell yeah. her thank you yes yeah, so uh um look on there so christchurch thursday what time uh six o'clock okay perfect all so, right yeah, thank you very much. Mark. Thanks, Diana. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, again, love my gardening community. People call in all the time and uh, always willing to share, 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 share all the knowledge that they have. Actually, and I should have talked to, uh, I got another text regarding the three sisters mix, corn, beans, and squash. So, Kath, if you're listening, maybe send me in a text if you have any other combinations that you like to like to uh, use or or if you want to give a quick call back in that would be great as well but right now i'm going to go to the phone lines and i got shirley good morning shirley yes good morning how can i help you i have a couple really big spruce trees and okay. of course i didn't obviously didn't water them as much as i should have last year but they a lot a lot of cones have fallen so i've been raking up the cones but i wonder do i need to how many of the the um Needles, do I need to rake up as well? Uh, actually, take it down to bare dirt or not? No, no. You're actually even better to leave the needles in there if you if you don't mind the look. Because mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're recreating the forest floor, and that what it does is those little prickly needles help protect them from bugs crawling up into them as well, and it creates that nice soil conditions that they like. Um, oh, so that's sometimes I like putting mulch down underneath my spruce trees mm-hmm. and then that way when the needles and some pine cones fall into them or the spruce cones, um, it doesn't matter. It kind of mixes in and it all just looks natural. 
Oh, that's good because I thought I remembered hearing you say that. One yeah, because if you try and keep it clean, it, it's a tough go, especially under a spruce. And and really, they they like that. They're trying to recreate their like that's Mother Nature in action, right? It's trying to create that forest floor that they like mm-hmm. and the conditions and those prickly needles down there. It it prevents a lot of little bugs and grubs and that crawling up into the spruce tree. Oh, that's good then. So I'll All right. break up some of the cones and get them out of there because yeah. it's kind of deep. So yeah. perfect. Thank All righty. You so much. Thanks, Thanks. Shirley. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's cloudy and one degree in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Courtney Davidson. AHS has confirmed a measles case is Calgary's second in a month. While infected with a contagious disease, a person with measles visited various locations around Calgary from March 26th to Friday the 29th. People exposed before Friday are not eligible for preventative vaccine, but are encouraged to review their immunization history and call HealthLink at 811 for advice. Yesterday, the United Conservatives shared their party's platform with the public. Now it's the NDP's turn. NDP leader Rachel Notley is in Edmonton speaking right now. She'll share what the NDP's goals while in government are for the next term. The price of gasoline and heating fuel will go up tomorrow in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario and New Brunswick. The federal government's carbon tax of $20 per tonne is taking effect in the provinces that refuse to impose their own emissions pricing. An Ontario court will hear a constitutional challenge of the carbon tax next month, while a Saskatchewan court is expected to deliver its verdict on a similar challenge soon. Global News Calgary weather could see scattered snow showers later today, reaching just a high of 6. Mainly cloudy tonight, and there is a chance of flurries this evening, a low of minus 2, and then back up to plus 7 tomorrow with a mix of sun and cloud. It's 1 degree, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news is at 11. I'm Courtney Davidson. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and I do have Kath on the line, but right now I'm just going to go to Mike quick, and then Kath and I'll talk about some companion gardening and uh, a couple other things that she wants to touch on and probably talk about uh, um, Diana coming to the Hort Society as well. But right now I'm just going to go to Mike, and he wants to do a lawn reno. Good morning, Mike. Mr. Merle. How can I help you? Well, I just bought a house, and the yard is a mess. It's all weeded, and like all weeds and stuff, and yep. it's just small patches of grass. And I really don't want to like cut up all the sod out. And, yep. and so I was thinking of putting in. I read about some uh, micro clover might work, and I thought that uh, that may be something worth uh, worthwhile. And I, I guess I just wanted to like, your viewpoint on that. What's your end result? Do you want a nice lawn? Well, no, I, I just want something, you know, pretty. Um, I, it's not necessarily to, like, lounge around in or play around in. It's just, you know, something that looks decent. Yeah. Um, I find the clover, it doesn't work as well in Calgary for, for, for whatever reason, like it, except in your lawn when you don't want it. Yeah. Um, so some of those things don't work as great. But what I would do, Mike, is just give it a really good raking and just yep. do a really good cleanup. And right now you're perfect timing. Um, just let it thaw out a bit more and like in the next week or so. Yep. And then um, give it a shot of the green it up fertilizer, 1632.6. 
And then if there's real, real dead patches after you rake, if you're right down to the soil, Mm -hmm. um, add a little bit of topsoil in there and then get some grass seed, mix that in there, top dress. Yep. And then just rake the seed into the soil and then just start watering. And then you'll be amazed at how fast the grass, once it gets a 16326 working, it'll okay. just it'll just take that in and just really get everything growing quick. Because in the springtime, two years ago, I forgot to use the dog spot prevent as much and, and, and using the, the green it up fertilizer. It's just, a, it's amazing how fast it recovers. Like I had a, a six foot patch of really nothing. And within a couple of weeks, it just, it's amazing how it just, grows back in and takes over so wow so micro clover is just a bad idea around here it, it just it, it doesn't survive great like it's just one of those ones that um yeah it's you have to be quite dedicated to that and oh. I, I, i'm just trying to explain um it's more the and it winter kills really easy Ex- like i said except for the varieties that that grow on our lawn that we don't want, but those nicer clumping ones that stay in those little nice spots, um, yep. they, they're just not hardy enough to survive here. Okay. All and, right. Well, I, I thanks for the uh, advice. Okay. Yeah. So just a little bit of work, and you'll be amazed at how fast I get that green up fertilizer in there, and you'll be amazed at how fast that will take over and get growing again. Okay. Well, happy, have, a, have a productive uh, season. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate Thank it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, going to go down to Cass Smythe again. Good morning, Kath. Good morning again. How are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, awesome. I had a couple questions, and I know I'm not as well-versed on some of this stuff. Like They, they were talking about the three sisters combination. That's of, right. And, and you know why they do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because the beans are planted around the corn yep. to give nitrogen to make nice, strong leaves on the corn. And then the bean itself twines up the stems of the corn. And the squash grows around the bottom to keep the moisture in, and you get three crops for one. Oh, cool. And it's it's actually a really valuable way to go. Plus, the corn, as it's wind pollinating, also helps to pollinate and draw in pollinators for the squash because squash are notorious for not pollinating properly. Okay. But one of the things I like to do with squash is to plant a big row of sunflowers behind them because those big sunflowers standing up above like helicopters, you know, sort of hovering, draw in the bees, and then they realize there's more flowers underneath it. So it makes for a really, really good companion. And I I really do like things like that, but borage is another one that really draws them in. And then there's an annual called Facilia, which I'm sure you've sold. Yeah. And it joins, it's a really important pollinator, plus it inoc- it helps the soil and helps for get the soil richer yep. around it. So those are really good. Pollinators are drawn by companion planting, okay. so anything you can put with it is a good idea. Okay, so if someone wants to grow carrots, like I'm just reading here, and it says carrots, good companions for carrots are lettuce, radish, onions, leeks. Um, leeks repel carrot flies. That's right, and the leek fly, the leeks are excellent for that. Yeah, they they just it's something about the broadness of the root and the scent that they give off. And so, do you have a couple other ones that you would like to recommend, like sort of the Casmith trio or anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorite things to do around cabbages, etc., is to plant dill seed, and as it goes into seed, the flower is that big flat, um, umble shaped flower, yep. and it 
attracts the cabbage white moth and it stops the little cabbage whites from laying their eggs within the cabbages so that they don't eat all your cabbages and make holes. Okay. So it's one of my favorites. And it, I'm also reading it, this broccoli, it says dill, onion, garlic, celery, and basil and sage are good companions for broccoli as well. Exactly, because broccoli is in the same family yeah. as the cabbages. So Absolutely. it needs that, that you know, keeping those away. And it also helps with the broccoli for the pollination, which okay. is important. But one of my ba- very, very favorite and biggest recommendations is planting radishes in with, say, for instance, you're going to direct seed your cucumbers. Well, it takes a long time for cucumbers to emerge out of the ground. Radishes grow very, very rapidly, and they're an early harvest. So putting radishes through your uh, rows of, of cucumber helps to get them out of the ground, and then you're not packing the soil trying to figure out why it's not germinating. And then the other thing radishes are really good for is getting rid of leaf miner. They are a trap plant for leaf miner in your spinach. Okay, yeah, so I have been getting this year, and it's funny because you've seen a lot more of that over the last couple of years, but hopefully this winter has killed some of those things that will be in the soil. So hopefully we got rid of a, a foot few of those leaf well, miners. Well, I'm and... hoping we did, but I've found that radishes are very successful for that. And soil needs that loosening up and that extra little aid. So by putting things in, like radishes that help to break the soil up, excellent plants. Yeah, so your radishes, will you have to sacrifice some of them to get the, they'll take the miners. They'll, they'll take the leaf miners, but you're still going to get the root okay, out perfect. of the radishes. And the then radishes... it saves your Swiss chard and all that too. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. All right. And so um, is there tickets available for Diana's um, talk? It's at the door. Okay. And it's $10 for non-members and it's free to members and it's at Christchurch. Okay. And where's that? Do you know? It's down in Elbow Park. It's just, I can never remember the exact address off the top of my head, but I'm real sorry. I forgot to yeah. men- mention it. No but worries. It's, well, I'm going to it. I want to see it. I haven't had yeah, a chance. Yeah, Diana, to... she's a huge wealth when it comes to the sweet peas. I love sweet peas. Awesome. I plant. I'm going to plant mine next week if the soil's warm enough. Perfect. Wait to get the tips from Diana first. There you I go. I will. All right. All thanks, right. Scott. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, I got to take a break. It's going by quick here. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And what we have going here, if you'd like to give me a shout, I do have some spots open on the phone line, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And both those are the talk and text line. If you'd like to call or you can send in pictures or any of that kind of fun stuff, we're able to uh, have a look at what you're uh, going through in your garden and uh, easy to share for us to have a look. I'm going to go right now to Andy in Three Hills. Good morning, Andy. Hello, how are you doing today? Good, how can I help you? Good, good. Um, yeah, we've got, I've probably planted a couple thousand trees over the last few years, most of them evergreens, okay. uh, some mountain ash, some uh, other deciduous. Um, just wanting to give them a shot of fertilizer this spring probably a granular fertilizer um and we just we have them all mulched in pretty good a nice mulch bed around all of them yeah just wondering if there's uh what product you'd recommend to just sprinkle around each evergreen and roughly maybe how much to apply to each how, one and how big are most of the spruce trees at this time i'm gonna 
say the average is about three and a half to four feet right now. Okay, so you want to do a cup to two cups of fertilizer for the most part. And I, w- I would probably, if you, if you go see, um, you're in Three Hills, we, we do sell like the evolved tree and shrub fertilizer, but are you, how many of the trees are you wanting to fertilize? Like all thousand or? Well, no, I would say. Go back up the truck. the easiest <laughs> ones to access, like 500 of them or so. Yeah. Like I would buy bulk. Some yeah. So but. probably what I would do is go see one of your, um, one of the UFA places, something like that. Okay. And just tell them what you're doing. You probably want to get something they'll give you a mixture like a seven 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 or a, okay. or something like that, a twenty eight, fifteen, ten, something. They'll give you some mix that's a little higher in the first number. The only okay. problem is if it with the granular, if it's too much, you sometimes tend to feed throughout the whole season and you do want to slow down fertilizing on your some of your evergreens when you end a lot of your trees and shrubs when you get into the summer. Okay. So just mix it, and it's some, if you have mulch, it's hard to sometimes get it down into into the thing. So you might want to even look at doing um, water soluble, yeah, and just give okay. it a good shot. Do it first thing in the spring, and then give it another shot in June, and then one last one in July. And okay. I think that might even be easier if you can get a water tank, go through there, mix in your 30 10 yep. 10 and just go through after you've given them a good watering, um, go through and uh, and give them a shot of fertilizer that way. I think you'll have a lot better success. Okay, thirty ten ten with water. Yep. Now the first number uh, does that that up. encourages root growth? No, and then, no. The first number nope. is the up, up, down, all okay. around is sort of how you up first okay. number, down middle number, and all around is the last number. Okay, sure. All righty. Okay, I really appreciate that. You have a great day. Yeah, and right now is a good time if you can get out and just give them a good hosing down and uh, get rid of all the dust and dirt and mites and stuff that's in them right now. So, Yeah, you bet. All right, thanks, Andy. Okay, thank you so much for your time. You have a great show. You too. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Yep, bye. All right, and I got a few. I'm having quite a few people calling about, um, and John, who called in earlier about his spruce tree turning brownie, and I got the pictures emailed them to me and lots of brown and we're seeing a lot of that and it's just from the droughts we've had the last couple of years and last year from all the smoke I was just talking with Mark um, our ISA certified uh, manager in the tree department in our prune it up and he was just saying that excess of needle um, definitely from the and a lot of it is from the smoke and then the, also from the drought the last couple of years because typically when it's a drought you'll see the effects sort of six months to a year later on a lot of the stuff so what he's recommending is just getting, washing them down, and then even the deep root injection. I know we're booking a lot of those right now, so you might want to get that lined up to get the deep root injection of the fertilizer into your spruce trees. And I know, John, you have yours pretty shaped up nicely. Um, the less of that you you do, it's it's a little easier on them too. So maybe let that grow out a little bit and, uh, and, and go from there. But... Uh, the deep root injection will definitely make a big difference trying to get some growth into those. But yeah, John, you, unfortunately yours got uh, affected quite a bit. You got, you got hit pretty good on those uh, spruce trees. All right. And if you'd like to join me, there is some spots open on the phone line, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And I'm going to go to the text and... I got, good morning, I want to fertilize my lawn, but need to do a dethatch. When should I dethatch? 
And a lot of it really depends on the the location of your yard, what way it's facing. Like I was saying earlier, my east-facing front yard still has a bit of snow on it, and the backyard, which faces due west, is totally dry and almost ready to, I could almost get out there and rake probably within the next week if it stays nice like this. But basically you want to let it be dry again. So if you walk out there and your bare feet, you're not feeling any moisture, it's not feeling really cold, um, stuff like that, then then you're able to get in there and give it a good solid raking at that point and then fertilize with a green it up fertilizer and uh, you should be set. If you do have some spots that you want to fill in, you can overseed um, you can add a little bit of loam and overseed at that time as well. If you if you have had um, any kind of major uh, burrows or any of those little voles going through the grass or anything like that, and here I got a, a little uh, accolades to Kath and the, you guys and gals are awesome. My cabbage and spinach will be great this year. Love the show and so will my cabbage. Awesome. No, and uh, gr- definitely some great tips. And can you recommend a small dwarf evergreen for the front of my flower beds? Um, dwarf, we do have a couple of really small dwarf cedars that typically do quite well here. Uh, we do have a dwarf evergreen. It stays really thin, though. It only gets about a foot wide, and it actually does fairly decent here. And and a lot of the junipers, there's also dwarf mugo pines that stay tight. And any of the mugo pines, when they start going, and when you get the little fingers come up, um, then that's where I like to come. I like to just snap those in half. It, it just keeps them nice and bushy at this time. So, uh, and give that a try. And what else do we got? And actually, I got a couple of texts from Brad. Um, Bird, Brad the Birdman, what is he saying? He's saying something. What really brings in the squirrels, if you don't feed the nuts, so if you bring in then the cashews, then then the peanuts and things like that that'll typically bring in a lot more of your of your squirrels and that. So um, if you stick with the regular seed, the sunflower, and that you'll get a lot less squirrels. So, anyways, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to take Bill and Melanie. After that, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone lines and we're going to chat with Melanie. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. How can I help you? Um, we just have uh, got a rose bush last summer. Okay. And it was under the snow all winter, and so it's just sort of coming back. We don't know what to do with it. Like, should we cut it right back? It doesn't look like it has any buds on it. Do you know what kind of uh, rose it was? I think it's David Thompson. Okay. Right now, you just, just just let it do its thing. It's still pretty early to see any growth on there yet. Everything's just thawing out and the soil's warming up and all that fun stuff. So just... Um, make sure if the soil is totally bare around it, you might want to just put a little bit of mulch around it. You can give it a little shot of water okay. if it if it's in a sunny location and it and it, and the and the soil looks dry. But basically, with a lot of your roses, you just want to wait, let them do their thing, and when they start sending out the new growth, if there's some dead tips and stuff like that, at that time is when you do your pruning and shaping. Okay. So if sometimes you get one one branch that just shot up crazy, just 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 cut it off a little bit, and you'll it'll it'll tell you, and you'll be able to tell by the color of the branch. Some are browning on top. Just cut those off, 
and above the new growth and just try and cut it all even at that point and then it'll just grow a lot more even for you throughout that. Okay, so like last, like when we got it, we just let it do its thing, and it did have some crazy branches and yep. stuff like that. So now we can just clip yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, those ones. ones, those crazy ones. If you want to just get it to a normal shape right now, like if there's three or four that have gone up a lot higher than most of the branches, just cut those off to the even point right now, and then go from there. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Bye bye. Love roses. And if you get them in the right spot, last year we had such a great rose season here in Calgary, like driving around the areas, just seeing so many gorgeous roses, um, and uh, and there's lots of good varieties. A lot of the Morden series, um, the John Thomas, he met, she mentioned, grow great. So um, you're good to go. And right now I'm going to go to Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Good. How can I help you? Uh, we have... Uh, a couple of green ashes that uh, had some winter bark damage that uh, you indicated we should probably be removing. And I'm just wondering if I try and cut those down and dig them out, am I going to have to do anything else? We're we're going to likely use the area where they are for vegetable gardening, so we don't want to put any chemical in if we can avoid it. Do we have any issues? How big are they? They're about 25 feet. Yeah, so what I would do there, Bill, like when you remove them, um, I probably wouldn't even really waste the money on the stump grinding at that point. I would just get, uh, if you can get a bobcat or somebody, I know we would offer the full service. If you if we, if we came in and removed the trees, we'd send our landscape crew in, and then they would dig out the roots, bring in some fresh soil, especially if you're doing veggies. It, it, you're going to end up digging lots of roots up in that over the years if you don't try and remove or remediate that whole area. So okay. it's, it's a little bit more work up front, or you just dig it out and you're and you're good to go, and okay. then just bring in uh, bring in some soil and and replenish the soil. But definitely, I would do it because once you get gardening, if you're trying to do veggies and you and you try to run the road to tiller through or things like that, you're just going to be swearing and it, it just makes gardening unpleasant on those type of things. If you know what I mean. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when you have nice soil, gardening's so much more fun. So yeah, no question. Alrighty. All right. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. all the help. Yeah. No, if you want to give them a call, Mark would be more than happy to come out and give you a quote on that. So, Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. And where I'm at, I'm actually out of time here. I, I got time for one more. I'll take Reva. Awesome. Thanks, Gord. Good morning. Good morning, Merle. It's Reva here. Hi, Reva. How I are you? I have a gerber daisy plant. Yep. And it's turning, leaves turn yellow on me, yep. and they'll curl under. Yeah. Um, it's sort of done blooming as well? No, I've got two blooms okay. coming, but they're short. They don't, Okay, you, you might be keeping it, um, t- it maybe a little too wet. Or does it wilt right down, like in between waterings? Those ones I like to run a little bit drier, like, and they'll they'll this they'll wilt a little bit, and then I like to water them at that time because okay. a lot of times if they're sitting, and especially if you got them, and it probably came in a little plastic sleeve in the, yeah. the pot sitting in there, and when you water, it sits in that sleeve, and then the water sits in there. So I like to w- take them out of the sleeve, put them in the sink, and water them, and let the water go through, and then not just sit in that water because then you'll get that yellowing what you're talking about. Okay, so probably a little overwatering. Yeah, definitely overwater. Dry them out then. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Reva. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I got to go. That's it for me till next week. 
Happy April Fool's Day tomorrow. Don't get fooled too badly. You're listening to Let's Talk Guardian on 770 CHQR.